love, that ever-flowing liquid fire of life, ever-expanding and illuminating truth, which is always revealed with wisdom, a spiritual nutrient necessary for vitality that is maintained through selflessness, a filter of ether that aids purity, which is love. Love, a limitless paper lantern floating into infinity on the intentions and actions of initiates of the mysteries. All right, welcome everybody. We have Sam Warren with us here today. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. How you doing today, Ross? I'm a lot better now that we had our little chat. Like I had said, I was a little bit yeah. discombobulated this morning <laughs> and I worked through some of it, then I went back to that state and now yeah. I'm in like a better place. So good. I appreciate the conversation. <laughs> it's always nice to be able just to like chat things out because when we get in our heads too much, we can always, we just stay in our head. and. But talking things out, I find personally, at least as an extrovert, I find talking things out actually allows me to kind of come back to home base. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like an ambivert myself. Like I like okay. my me time and I like to be extroverted. But one of the things I've found is definitely like through being in a 12 step program, talking it out, like you say, is so beneficial. Um, before I would surround myself with people that didn't really get it or like wouldn't really contribute anything valuable to the conversation, I would say, or like, yeah. they would just be like jerks about things. Yeah. <laughs> so like having a, a, a respectful dialogue with somebody that's kind of working through similar stuff or has experience with similar things really is um, incredibly useful. It's one of the greatest tools in my recovery kit. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with you there. Okay. So first question, what are you grateful for today? Oh, today I am, I'm grateful for a lot of things today, actually. Um, I'm grateful for the summer. Um, I made a, a decision this summer because I worked myself silly last summer. I didn't have a break at all. Um, working seven days a week, you know, 10 hours a day almost. And um, so this summer I decided to just chill out and just take things easy and just be receptive to whatever comes my way and not kind of push things. So I'm really, really grateful for the summer, but I'm also grateful for the opportunity that I can do this too. Mm. Um, I'm grateful for the sun. It's been raining here in Toronto for so long that the sun has finally decided to show its face. And <laughs> so for grateful for the sun, I'm grateful for my cat. I'm grateful for my breath. I'm grateful for, the neighborhood I live in, I live like five minutes away from our largest park where there's a forest and a pond and it's just huge and it's beautiful. And yeah, I'm just grateful for, for everything I want to say for everything for life. Well, that's awesome. That that's definitely a lot to be grateful for. It's always nice to hear like everybody else's take and there's some common threads and some different ones. And it's, it's just, I think it's a good way to start off an interview or like a conversation like like this. Yeah, it's more than, you know, like, how are you doing today? Who are you? What do you do? And it's like, because everyone start every like, have you ever gone networking? And it's like the first thing they ask you because you have a name tag already. So they know your name is, oh, so what do you do? And it's just like, I'm more than who than what I do here. Like, let's mm -hmm. have an authentic conversation here. So yeah, so I really appreciate the... Um, the the experience of being what are you grateful for 
Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to have like networking events where we start off with like things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a networking event yet. That's probably something that I'll have to experience in my future at some point with like wanting to do a business and all that, but yeah, it's, not there yet. No, don't, don't go if you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> now that you sold me on it now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're not, to be honest with you, I stopped going to networking events probably um, almost a year ago. Mm. Uh, no, let's say about eight months ago. Eight months ago, I stopped going just because it was so ridiculous. And it's just like all these business people going in and exchanging cards. And I'm like, I don't need any more cards. I want connections, not cards. <laughs> so I just found some, um, I just found some groups of people that I really enjoy hanging out with. And I just kind of developed my tribe through hanging out with these people. And that literally within itself has been my form of networking. Hmm. Just this one particular tribe that I'm a part of. And it's, and it's really a beautiful place to be. So, and they're all like one, it's all like-minded, mostly women, um, but it's like my, like-minded women. Yeah. No, that's pretty awesome. I think what, like, if I ever did do a networking thing, maybe it would be like spirituality based or even the people that I've had on the podcast would be a cool group of people to network with and like introduce them to other people that I've had on here that they might not be in contact with or like things like that. Absolutely. Well, even like, yeah, the people that you've had on the podcast, even in the positive head group, like all of these things, it's, it's all networking. And this is just like the kind of networking I think you and I are more into versus the business networking where we go and, you know, we say, what do you do? How are you? All right, cool. You have like a little five minute conversation about whatever it is that you can try and connect with. You pass off a card and try to get business that way (laughs) yeah i I couldn't do like that kind of surface stuff like i I need to sit down with people on a one-on-one and have like yeah get like all the stuff out that they want to talk about like it's like let's have a soul connection and then work around that first (laughs) yeah i think that that's definitely a better approach for me certainly i can see that being good for you as well yeah yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not my thing. I'm an extrovert, and I love being around people and talking to people and connecting. And I get like I vibe off of it. But when it's when it feels soulless, when it feels like there's um, nothing there, but like I'm gonna get a contact off of you because I want your business, mm-hmm. then it's like I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, it's like the means isn't just like a genuine connection and there's a motive behind it beyond that or whatever. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to deal with that either. <laughs> like, it's not fun. <laughs> okay. Um, next question would be, what quotes do you feel most moved by and can you explain what they mean to you? Yeah, so um, I've got quite a bit. So the first one is, uh, it's a Dr. Seuss quote, um, which is, uh, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who don't matter um, mind and those who mind don't matter. And I found this in my agenda when I was 16 and in high school. And for some reason, I was just so drawn to it. I was just like, this is it. This This is my life quote. And it stuck with me for a good couple of years. Um, 
and like I used to like use an email signature with that as like part of the email signature because it was just like you know who cares about all of you because I'm gonna do who I I'm gonna be who I am and do what I want and if you don't if you don't like it well then you're not part of my circle right um, and it still applies to today because we all get so caught up in what other people think and the people who who don't matter are the ones who we're trying to impress like we're trying to impress other people but it doesn't matter to them and if they do if these other people out there do care about what we do then why do we want them in our lives mm -hmm. right like they're not people who are going to enrich our lives these are the people who are going to keep us small these are the people who are going to keep us down these are the people who aren't going to allow us to flourish and to bloom and to um you know, allow us to show our gifts the way that we need to and the way that we're meant to. Um, so I really, really love that quote for, for that reason. And I just love Dr. Seuss. I think he is like the quirkiest, most fun, I think, person who, um, who's ever lived on this earth. I think he's amazing. Um, my other quote that I really, really love, I have two more. So this one is, uh, do not regret or deny your journey. It all had to be in order it all had to be uh, what it was in order for you to find your path. And there was no specific person who said this. It just says uh, Gurmukh as the author, but Gurmukh is a yoga teacher, is a guru. Um, so it wasn't, it's kind of like an anonymous um, mm. who had said this. And um, I randomly came, acro uh, came across this quote probably about a year and a half ago. And I've always believed that, you know, things always happen for a reason. I've always believed that there's a chronological um, order for what we do and how we go about in life. And, um, and when I came across that, it just like, it hit home because it's like what you're, and I was going through a rough time at this point here. I was, um, it was, it was, it wasn't a very good part. It was, I was just feeling really down and, uh, unsure about where I was going and whether the choices that I was making were actually helping me or they were just like just choices I made so that I didn't have to feel a certain way um, and I came across this and it just it made me feel like that's it's okay whatever choices I had made at that point in my life and where I'm going to be making the choices it doesn't matter whether or not they're good for me or they're not good for me it's the choice that I needed to make for myself to learn the lessons that I need to learn to move forward to mm. where I am today. Um, and that's, that's been a big part of my life is just trusting that the choices that I'm making are, um, are exactly where I need to be and what I need to be doing. So, and then the last quote that's my favorite um, is, uh, it's by Paolo Coelho. Are you familiar with him? I think I've used a couple of his quotes. I'm not familiar with him outside of just seeing his name before. Okay. I'll talk about him some more later on. <laughs> um, but he's an author. He's a, port, a Brazilian um, author. And one of my favorite books by him, the last line of the book is Love Simply Is. Mm. And that's it. Love Simply Is. And uh, I actually have it tattooed on the back of my neck here just because I love it so much. I think it's just such a... Um, just a beautiful sentiment. Mm -hmm. you know? 
there's no rhyme, there's no reason to why you love or how you love and why you love so deeply. It's just love simply is, it just is. Um, you know, you can't, you can't control it. You can't change it. You can't do anything else. Just, it just is what it is. So. Yeah. No, those are awesome <laughs> quotes. Um, for the Dr. Seuss one, I, I really like that quote as well. And in my personal experience, like, I used to try to always please people. I was a people pleaser most of my life. And mm -hmm. in doing that, I would have to don a different mask for different situations. So eventually I had so many different masks and I was spinning trying to like costume change so much <laughs> that I forgot who I really was in lots of senses. And I would try to please the people that didn't matter and I would trample over the people that did matter. Mm. And then eventually what ended up happening is when you act fake, you get fake friends. <laughs> like <laughs> that's oh, yeah. been my experience in lots oh, of yeah. um, And tying into the next quote of like respecting your journey and everything had to happen essentially, like paraphrasing that. Um, yeah. I had to go through all that stuff. Every, every scraped knee, every bruise, every broken heart has brought me to where I am today. And a lot of people will say like, Oh, if I could change the past, I would do this differently. I would do that differently. And even though I've done some stuff that have hurt people and have hurt myself and caused negative situations, I wouldn't change it because I couldn't be who I am today without any of those occurrences happening. Yeah. And I like who I am. All that stuff was, knowledge experience and it's like my greatest strength lied in my weaknesses and evaluating that and looking at my my own darkness and and seeing the light in there and figuring out how to bring that to the forefront mm -hmm. um and love is or love simply is my concept of love was definitely like very akin to what i perceive the, the very modern concept of it to be where it's very possessive. It's um, dominating, controlling, um, manipulative. If you don't do this, I don't love you. Yeah. Um, and it really hurt a lot of women in my life and loving that way really hurt me a lot. And it's not that I didn't care about them. I didn't know how to do that in a healthy way. Um, and like one of the trade-offs for feeling so deeply was, I hurt very deeply about those situations that I ended up bringing about by how I would love people. Right. And by, by love, by letting love simply be what it is now, which is unconditional acceptance of situations of people um, and, and still caring for them. I, I'm in such a healthier position now. And granted, I don't always do it perfectly, um, mm. but it's not about being perfect. Loving myself is saying, I'm going to make mistakes. That's part of humanity. And right. can I, can I love myself through that? And I, I totally can. Um, yeah. Some yeah. days better than others. <laughs> Story of the human experience, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's um, and like, as you're saying this, I realized that people could take the love simply is in so many different ways. It's like, well, love is, you know, about manipulation. Love is about jealousy. It's about possession. It's about control. Um, but when you understand love in its purest form, it is unconditional. It is like just this beautiful, energetic 
um, state and force that um, that just emits and it encourages and fosters and includes everybody. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I, I found is I'm in a much healthier position if I love everybody. I don't have to like everybody. <laughs> There's a big distinction. I don't have to like yeah. <laughs> But um, one of the people that I, I like volunteer with, she's been somewhat of a mentor to me. She has studied the Kabbalah and she talks about there being a spark of divinity in everybody. Mm -hmm. And the concept is we're supposed to help all these um, sparks find their way back to the higher source. So people that are acting ways that I, I don't like necessarily, those are the people that need love more than the people that I do like probably because in my experience, people don't act certain ways because of anything beyond fear and pain. Yeah. So, so like that's what causes all the negative stuff in my opinion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fear is the biggest one I would say. Um, and the pain of the inner child that's just screaming for the help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's definitely it. Yeah. Cause it's like, um, and I hate, I get into such arguments with people because it's like around Trump and it's like, I don't agree with what he does. I don't agree with who he is. I don't like him, but I, what I see when I, when I see him is this really hurt child who is just screaming for attention for whatever the hurt is being dealt with, um, and there's a lot of fear inside of if he doesn't act this, if he isn't, if he doesn't act this way, if he doesn't do this or he doesn't do this, like all of the conditioning that who he is started by the time he was six years old. So you can't, and this is going to sound like, it, this is so controversial what I'm saying, I know, because I've gone into so many discussions about this with people, <laughs> but it's like, I can't be, I can be really upset and really angry at the person of who he is now. But at the same time, I can't because it's just a six-year-old running and like running the show inside who just needs to go to therapy and be loved and be hugged and be told that he's a perfect little boy, you know, or whatever it may be for him. But um, mm -hmm. no, I, I agree with that too. Like, I, I don't <laughs> agree with a lot of his stuff. Um, I don't really people hating him only further perpetuates all the problems that. Yeah. he is creating and I also viewing it like holistically and from a sense of understanding that sources everything he's there for a reason um, mm -hmm. and his position is actually unifying a lot of people even though he's trying to be um, divisive or whatever yeah, yeah. so it, like in the sense of his make America great again thing <laughs> I like to joke and say well we're gonna have no other option but to do so when he's done and his actions actually are in the fact that it's getting people involved in politics, making people more aware. Granted, it's also creating these two greater extremes, um, mm. but those extremes will come back to the center at some point. Um, yeah. That's just the, the nature of, of reality in, in my experience. H have you studied um, hermetic philosophy at all or hermeticism? You know, I haven't studied it, but I'm familiar with it. One of the concepts is the principle of polarity, which when one thing goes one way, the opposite goes that to that extreme as well. So yeah. 
through his actions, he's going to have to bring it in eventually. Um, just because that's the nature of it. There's only so far a pendulum can swing <laughs> before it comes back to the center. <laughs> before it balances each other out and kind of goes like, okay, we're, we're done with this energy shift here. Let's just, let's just stay balanced for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that that'll come from all this, whether we yeah. survive through not just him, but through all of that shifting, I don't know. But, um, I can't really worry about me in relation to the whole everything, I guess. Whatever happens is supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I just wish more people saw it this way too, as opposed to all the hate. But Yeah, they just perpetuate. But that's, yeah. that's about them not loving themselves and not being on that level with everything yet exactly. in their own self. So. Right, exactly, yeah. One of the hardest lessons for me to learn is how I perceive other situations as a reflection of me. Just like with the situation we were talking about, um, with me being upset with my my, my mom, <laughs> that's about me. Like I had said, it's not about her. No. <laughs> it sucks to have to say that because it's easier when it's other people. <laughs> it's so much easier. It's so much easier when you can blame it on other people. Are you kidding? It's like that's what that's what you grew up doing. That's what you know. Like that's what everyone does here. No wonder their lives are they look easier because they're just like I can blame it all on that and this and that. But um, yeah, but it's like, just like oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, but just with like personal development, it's like it's messy. Like personal development and work on yourself is messy, and once you kind of come out of that messiness or you can understand the messiness better, it's like, it's so much, you know, as Brandon says, it's, you know, you can't have the sweet without the sour and mm -hmm. the sweet is always sweeter with the sour, you know? And, um, and I've always loved that because it's just like, this feels like a really messy moment, but on the other side of it, you're like, Oh, this actually feels really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sucks in the moment because you realize what's going on. <laughs> but once you kind of come out of it and you realize it, it's, it literally is like, okay, it feels a lot brighter. It feels a lot sweeter. It feels, feels lighter. It feels like you can move through it a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I always find it funny. Like I, I used to always say this and sometimes I still fall in the trap. You made me feel this way. And it's, <sighs> <laughs> like dissecting what that's you made me feel and it's like I've just given away all my power in the situation yeah. and I've yeah. become a puppet on somebody else's actions I've victimized mm -hmm. my, myself oh yeah I still I still find myself doing that with my partner <laughs> like and I don't really specific I've learned to say you don't you made me feel this way but I I now switch it to I feel this way yeah. when the situation comes because I'm not allowing the power of it going towards him of how the, the argument or the comment he said or something like that made me like you made me feel this way for it but I do catch myself going like okay is this something valid or is this something me trying to just like deflect mm -hmm. <laughs> what I'm going through and what I'm feeling to put it back onto him <laughs> yeah absolutely that that yeah. little pause in like a that's the thing for me. Sometimes I'm not always conscious because it's such a, um, a condition, a response of reacting with, you made me feel this way. But yeah. Like, taking that one second and being like, I feel this way and not, yeah. not making them responsible for how I feel, but also 
like like you said, kind of like dissecting the situation to understand is is this a valid reason that I feel this way, or is this about me deflecting um, some some of my own neurosis neurosis? Uh, neurosis. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got it, you got it. <laughs> but like dissecting that and like I don't know, it's it's a trip. But one of the things for me too, like how you were talking about um, Brandon mentioning the sour and the sweet with going through things in recovery, one of the things I had to face was like abandonment issues. Cause one of my uh, female friends who I had feelings for, she kind of went her own way at the beginning of my recovery. Mm. And I, I was set um, in this situation of having to, to deal with things that I never dealt with without using from, from all my relationships where I was uh, heavy in using one substance or another. And then through sitting there with it in that misery, in that pain, getting through it without having to use and feeling that sense of accomplishment and actually understanding it and working through it without, that was, that was amazing. Like it gave me so much hope because that was one of the um, biggest situations that caused me to run from stuff, I guess. Right. So it's like facing my fears made me stronger. Facing my pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, like I was saying before too, it's like, it's messy and it's not fun. Like when you go through your shadow work or even when you do some personal work on yourself, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's not fun work because you're uncovering so much and you're relearning so many new things or you're having to um, rehabitualize yourself into into whatever it is that you need to do. but when you come out of it, you come out of it stronger, you come out of it lighter and it feels brighter. It feels different. It feels, it just, it feels, um, it feels, I don't know. I personally love that feeling of like, Oh, okay. Like I love I love personal development. So for me, it's, I love that. Yeah. There's a reward for the work. And one of the things that I found in my own personal experience by consciously evaluating that stuff when I'm ready to do it, when I want to sit down and actually digest these behaviors, conditioned responses or reactions, it actually prevents my misery later on in Mm. lots of ways. And maybe not prevent, but minimizes the effect that it has on me because I can say, Oh, this is just another fractal of that behavior. And this is what I did to work through that. Maybe it won't yeah. get all of it, but it can help me navigate through it better. And then Absolutely. having had um, achieved success with it before, I know, okay, I can work through this too, because I got through, excuse me, the larger issue. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who experience that as well, you know, um, even when it comes to like like socially drinking as well. It's like, oh, do you really need to go out for a social drink with a friend or can you just invite them over for a cup of tea instead, you know, to like deal with whatever it is that you're working through? Um, yeah, like it's, it's, um, it's finding new ways of, of minimizing, I like what you said, minimizing the, the pain or the suffering or minimizing you know, what to go through so that you can actually feel it. You can actually go through it and experience it. And then it also doesn't take quite as long either. Mm-hmm. I always find it doesn't take quite as long. Like if you were to be in this suffering stage um, and then you, it, it could take, you know, like weeks for you to finally move through it because you've been, 
you know, drinking or you've been using substances and drugs and, you know, or maybe even using television or sex or food or, you know, whatever it may be that you just like, just allow yourself to get consumed by. And it takes a quite a while because you're not allowing yourself to feel through it. Whereas if you feel through it and you sit with it and you go through it and you allow yourself to just like the ebb and flow of, of the emotion, of the feeling, of the thought, of the situation to occur, it actually passes so much quicker, mm-hmm. I find too. Like before I used to be able to, um, it would take me, like I said, it would take me personally, like sometimes weeks to get over a certain feeling. And it could be as something as small as like, um, like sadness, like just feeling sad about something. And I could, I don't even know why I was sad or I knew why I was sad. Um, but it would take me weeks because I wasn't dealing with it properly. I wasn't coping with it properly. Um, I wasn't given the tools to cope with it properly. Mm -hmm. And, um, but now I sit with it and it takes me maybe half a day. I mean, depending on the situation, obviously, but, um, the last time I felt like real sadness, real grief, like heart, (laughs) like heartbreaking grief, um, was a few weeks ago. And, um, and I sat with it and I was still taught and I went to work and I did, you know, everything I needed to do. And within, I went, I want to say probably like eight or nine hours, the feeling had started to dissipate and started to kind of release and let go. And it was like, oh, that's new. Mm-hmm. You know, actually sitting with something and, and going through it versus just putting it off, putting it under the rug having a drink just to suppress it, you know, smoking a joint just to forget about it. It was like, okay, no, I'm actually going to sit here. I'm going to cry when I feel like crying. I'm going to be quiet when I need to be quiet. I'm going to do what I need to do in in those times. And yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. One of the um, steps in step work is a 10th step where you take a daily inventory of everything and you Mm. kind of make everything within that day. Mm. Um, and I don't remember where I heard this element of, uh, it might've been from a podcast, something I read or at a meeting or something, but somebody basically said that when you don't deal with stuff in the moment and you push it, the longer that you hold on to that stuff and don't deal with it, the more firm of a route that it takes in your life and the harder it will mm. be to get rid of it. And if you think about it in like the concept of, let's say you, your garage is empty and you put this one little box in that's filled with your pain from one day and then the next day you do that and then the next day you do that the next eventually it's going to be like walled in in this big wall of freaking pain because yeah. you want to just unpack the box and like deal with it then so that's beautiful yeah that that like concept really hit home to me when i heard that um mm. so i got to try to unpack that box uh <laughs> with like doing the uh the inven- the daily inventory it's so much easier because then i can take pride in the accomplishments i have in the day because it's not just negative inventory it's the good things and the bad things i shouldn't have participated in this you know or yeah. i did a good job doing that so yeah i think that's a, a really valid point though like deal with it now <laughs> yeah so deal with it later yeah yeah and it's such a that's such a invaluable gift um, that, that, that person had bestowed upon you just because even though you and I, and most other people weren't given the gifts of, 
um, of learning how to deal with things in the moment or, um, or even coping, like good coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. um, that was such a beautiful gift that now you can relay on to other people as well moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I, we're all products of like, quote unquote, trickle down trauma in my experience, like mm. trauma that's been going on forever. Yeah. So, so by like digesting these kind of concepts and sharing stuff that has helped me or helps uh, helps you, you know what I mean? You sharing stuff that helps you, but vice versa. It's kind of being like trickle down healing yeah. <laughs> in a sense. So it's, it's generational healing. Absolutely. I find that, um, that each generation either goes through the same thing and just perpetuates it mm -hmm. or it stops at one generation and you are either you or maybe your sister or whoever it may be is doing the healing. So it stops at that point there. Um, so it doesn't have to continue. So the trickle down trauma doesn't need to continue past you. Um, and it's a big, it's a big burden to take on when you think of it that way. But at the same time, you're doing such a beautiful cert, like you're being of service and you're doing such a beautiful thing for not only the future generations to come, but also you're healing your past generations as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like yeah. being a filter for, for both of those things essentially. Yeah. And like, refining its essence because there is good stuff in there like i definitely for me one of my very first episodes i did on this podcast was trauma as a teacher or something like that yeah and it is like that's how you learn from like you burn your hand you learn not to touch the stove so it's right? like <laughs> by sharing these things in a logical way um like I do or like how you do things by helping people like get into what they into like doing yoga or stuff or like yeah their therapy of their body that makes a big impact on stuff mm. yeah it really really does it's uh it's huge it's mm -hmm. huge yeah I agree completely. We, store, we store a lot of the trauma in our bodies too right like that's that's why, you know, you cry when you get a massage sometimes, <laughs> mm. or you might feel angry when you're stretching a certain part of your body or, um, you know, and, uh, I was told once by a, um, by a massage therapist that, um, so, you know, whenever you're stretching and you happen to get into a spot where it's just really tight and really sensitive and what one of my yoga teachers have said, it's a really spicy part of the body. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happens is, so like, as you say, like trauma, trauma could be anything from, yeah, putting your hand on the stove to, um, or onto, yeah, putting your hand onto like, a, like one of the, the stove pieces and getting burnt to sexual trauma, to relationship trauma, to parental and family trauma. Um, it could be even so much as like someone saying a word to you or giving you a dirty look or even a tone, like trauma in its, is so perceptive um, to the individual. Like it's so subjective. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is, when we go through the trauma, our body goes into that, like that shock mode of like the fight, flight, or freeze. And what are we going to do here? What are we, what are we going to actually um, do in this moment? 
And in that moment with fight, flight, or freeze, uh, you get a lot of adrenaline rushing through the body because you're like, okay, what do I do next? But you also get a lot of cortisol and you get a lot of uh, these other hormones rushing through your body. Um, but what happens is we stay in these moments for longer than we need to. We stay in these shocked moments for longer. And um, the area that we hold the trauma in um, basically when that shock happens, a part of our body tenses up and that trauma gets stored in a certain part of our body, mostly our shoulders, our necks, our hips, our hip flexors, um, uh, our hamstrings even. Um, so these parts of our bodies are like super, super tight. And the sensation that you feel whenever something's releasing um, that really kind of like, ooh, like you can, it feels good, but it doesn't feel good kind of sensation is us actually targeting where the cortisol was trapped in that trauma. Mm. So I always like to think of it kind of like as like, like the cortisol that was and the trauma that was trapped in the cell, kind of like a little cage going like, what am I going to get out? What am I going to get out? And it's kind of banging on the walls, which is crazy, which is creating like a lot of that tension that's in the body, that hard feeling of the muscles. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then when we finally release it, it's like, see you later. Peace out. I'm gone. You know, it's kind of like it's way of going, okay, I can release out. I can release out. I can get out of there and I don't have to stay trapped anymore. The cortisol doesn't want to stay in your body in that way because we're not in fight, flight, or freeze all the time anymore, right? Like we're not cavemen anymore. So we don't need to have that in our body all the time. There's no threat. But we allow certain things to happen like that for, to us so often. Um, and it could even be our thoughts that are, that are triggering us to cause this emotional, you know, um, causation here and allow that cortisol to build up and everything get tense. Um, so, um, yeah, so for, it's like, it, it's just like our trauma wants to leave the body. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't want to actually stay in us, but, um, but it's such a huge relief when we can work through it and we can um, release it because we're holding on to all of that and we really don't need to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know um, we got off on a little tangent there. Oh, that's, that's, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of Dr. Gabor Mate? Oh, yes. Have you heard of what his definition of trauma is? Um, someone had explained it to me before. Um, you can remind me though. It's things that should have happened that didn't and things that shouldn't have happened that did. And basically, like you were saying, it's, it's um, yeah. based on everybody's perception as well. So everybody's definition of trauma is different. I always, I always yeah. liked that uh, explanation of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> can you explain who you are and what you do? Well, we touched on it just a little bit, um, but I, so I like to consider myself as a Jill of all trades kind of gal. Like I like to get my hands in many different little pots, um, but primarily um, people know me as a yoga teacher. So I, uh, I teach the art of what I call at least the art of slowing down, which is all slow yoga. 
Um, so most of the yoga that's on the market these days that you go to a class is like vinyasa, power, hot yoga, anything that gets your heart going and you get a sweat on and it's what people like, like people enjoy the fitness aspect of yoga. Um, which I am like, I love, I love vinyasa yoga, but I don't love it for the fitness of it. I love just how my body I use it as like, uh, like as a form of meditation or as a form of prayer when I do those kinds of classes. Um, but I fell in love with teaching the slower forms of yoga because we don't have it in our society as much. Like we don't encourage, um, we don't encourage slowing down. We don't encourage staying with ourselves and staying with our breath and just being right? Like we don't encourage that. And so I fell in love with the fact that I can hold space for people to do that. And I can offer, um, I can offer that to people just by putting them into different shapes, <laughs> different poses, letting them stay there for five to 10 minutes, but holding the space while people sit there and people relax and they let go and they work through whatever it is that they were, need to work through is, um, is a really, really beautiful and profound moment for myself. Mm -hmm. um, so for those of you who, who, for anyone else who's listening, <laughs> who doesn't really know what slow yoga is, so it's restorative yoga, um, which is basically using almost all of the props that we use and just like hanging out. I also like to call it like nap yoga. And because it like taps into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is all about the, you know, uh, increasing your rest and your digestion, uh, your relaxation. It helps you to have better cognitive thinking and better memory. Um, it allows your body to start healing, which is technically what you do while you're napping. Um, but each pose that I take you into has a specific function for what it does for the body as well, which is why I suggest coming to restorative yoga versus just taking a nap. Um, and I also teach yin yoga, which works on more of the connective tissue. So the fascia, the ligaments, the tendons. Um, it's also slower. So we spend anywhere between three and five minutes in each pose. And um, you just allow yourself to just kind of melt into the shape as well. Um, and then the fastest uh, form of yoga that I teach is Hatha, uh, which is a standard form, but even still my classes are like super gentle and just focusing on the breath, focusing on how we can transcend the breath within the experience of our practice and how we can take all of this that we've learned on the mat to take it for our practice off of the mat, mm. which I think is super important. Um, cause more often than not, I find that we, we practice and we learn everything that we need to learn, but we forget about it when we leave class, we forget about it when we go into our daily lives, because it is very much like a, how do we apply this into this? Like we were talking about, you know, with, um, you know, like people with business, it's like, okay, I can be spiritual, but how can I be spiritual in business? They just don't know. And mm -hmm. the yoga practice, like, oh, I can be. I can be loving and I can be kind and acceptance and this, but sometimes we don't know how to take that off into our daily lives. Like, how can I be loving? How can I be kind and accepting of myself and of others? And how can I even 
use this breath that I'm using in class? How can I take this into my everyday life? Like they just don't know how to do it or they just forget to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my classes are focused around being able to take everything that we do and bring it to your practice off the mat. I think that that's really important. Um, One of the things in the recovery program that I do, they always talk about like recovery isn't just in this room. It's what you do outside of the room for the other 23 hours. And it's just like what you're saying with yoga. Like it's that suppleness and that flexibility that you apply to your life outside of being in, in the yoga, doing yoga, because that can, that suppleness and flexibility can apply to your spirituality. It can apply to your, to your mentality. It's not just physicality of it. It's, uh, yeah. the yoga of life, the yoga of relationships, the yoga of, of whatever really. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so like, and that's the one thing that, um, that people get tripped up about with yoga is they think that, um, they think that yoga is just like the physical asana practice is what we call it. It's asanas, poses. Um, when in reality, yoga, there's eight limbs of yoga and asana is just one. You know, meditation is another, pranayama is another, um, the yamas and the niyamas, which is like guidelines for what to do and guidelines to like not do, which is like, you know, um, you know, do no harm. And, um, you know, like there's so many and pratyahara, which is one of my favorite, which is like removal of the senses. Um, Hmm. you know, so like going into like float tanks. I've always wanted to do that. Oh, there's so much fun. There's so much fun. Um, but pratyahara. Yeah. So there's like, there's eight limbs and the physical is just one, but there's so much more that you can do, right? Like you can, breathing is yoga meditation is yoga um being present in the moment is yoga so it doesn't have to be a physical practice you know yoga it's like exactly yoga of relationships yoga of love yoga of parenting yoga of business the yoga of whatever it is that's in your life that we can practice I think that's an awesome concept. Have you ever heard of the uh, Gonzenfeld effect when you were talking about like uh, the senses or whatever? No. It's this, this doctor did this study and he came to the conclusion that if you take a ping pong ball, cut it in half and put it over your eyes so you can't really see anything clearly mm-hmm. and then listen to a uh, static that it'll give you almost an effect similar to like a float tank or something like that, supposedly. Oh, really? I've never gotten the ping pong balls to try it. I tried it with something, but they weren't opaque. Um, oh, okay. Oh, they have to be ping pong balls though. Yeah, because you need the okay. opaque where the light can trans trans like diffuse through them or whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to try it. I, I when I hear people talk about like float tanks, I bring it up just to see if anybody has tried it. I guess I'll just have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's also probably cheaper than going down to a float tank, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, but you don't get the full floating effect too, I feel so. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, absolutely. Float. But I don't have like I don't know what how, like what the pricing is are like is there, but here in Toronto it's like hella expensive. Yeah, I don't imagine it's cheap because they have to, I assume they have to change the water all the time and keep those things pretty clean. You know, and there's like anywhere between, I went to a place where there was a thousand pounds of um, Epsom salt and like sea salt in it to another place where there was like 3000 pounds of salt in it. 
So <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's wild. You definitely need to give it a try. Yeah, I will. That sounds yeah. awesome. It sounds like something I would like. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Ask for it for like a Christmas gift or like a, of a gift of some sort. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really special when someone else treats you to it. It feels special at least. Everything's always better when you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> sort of true. <laughs> um, did you feel like you were different than others as a child? Hmm. So listening to, um, cause I listened to a couple of your episodes and, um, listening to all these other podcasts, like the one thing that I found in common with everyone was that they felt different as a child, like whether it was, you know, like, I just knew I wasn't a part of this planet. So maybe they're a Pleiadian or something, or they're from Atlantis or, um, you know, like this didn't feel like they fit in with everyone. And every time I thought about that, I've just been thinking, like, was I different? Like, was I, was I a different kid growing up? And, um, and in a way, I was. I wasn't in the way that, you know, like, I think I'm, you know, I was born into another solar system before this, or um, I'm not a star seed or an indigo or a crystal kid or um, like, I'm not different in those ways, but I always felt just unique. Mm. I always felt unique. I always felt like my interests were not of normal eight-year-old interests. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, like I just kind of, in one way I did what I wanted to do, but on the other hand, um, you know, and, and doing that made me very unpopular, <laughs> just kind of made me like, not very little weird kid, but it just did not make me popular as a child or even growing up. So combining that with trying to fit in somewhat. So I didn't feel, you know, cause I didn't feel like I was like super weird or anything, but I didn't feel like I was like, part of the crowd either Mm -hmm. um but like growing up i mean thanks to my dad too um you would find this actually very very fascinating growing up my dad was all about the celestine prophecies he was all about crystals and ghosts and um in fact he um (laughs) it's so silly i'm like but people tell me all the time that if he was to do this now he'd make a lot of money um he would make copper pyramids Mm. that were like three-dimensional and large enough that either he would hang them up from the ceiling and just like above where he worked so that he was underneath the pyramid as he worked. Pyramid Um, power. Pardon? Pyramid power. Yeah. Um, And in fact, he made one so, my dad's six foot, six foot one. And he's not like a, at the time he wasn't a hefty guy, but he wasn't a petite guy either but he would make a pyramid that was probably easy, easily like four feet tall. Oh, wow. Um, a copper pyramid three, like, that he would sit under and meditate. And he had a quartz crystal um, that he would put on top and he would sit under it and meditate with it. Um, and I think because of my dad's influence with his like, his very spiritual out there, my dad's always believed in conspiracy theories and, aliens and this and that and he's all about it um uh 
that I think because of him and because I was kind of like, oh, this is normal stuff. Like, what do you mean that this isn't like, what, yeah, of course this is normal. Of course I believe this. Of course there's ghosts and aliens and this, that stuff that, that are among us. Of course there is. Like, it just felt like it was natural. I never felt like I had to challenge him around it. Um, so in that way, I felt like I was different because mm. when people would be like, I'd be like, oh, I went to a haunted mansion in, uh, in North Carolina and we had to walk around the grave backwards seven times in order for the ghost to come. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is amazing. It's so much fun. And uh, people would be like, kind of look at me like, okay, <laughs> weirdo over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I always thought it was like so natural that these things existed like I never doubted it I never doubted the energy I never doubted the tarot I never doubted um you know I just I never doubted any of it so in that way I feel like it made me different but not in the way of that a lot of other people could feel like they were different that makes sense yeah about ghosts made me think of uh, something that I've heard which I haven't had to ask many people about but it was on a different it was on a I want to say the Rune Soup podcast, mm. but uh, one of his, one of uh, Gordon White's guests talked about the concept of haunting yourself, like ghosts or us haunting ourselves. Oh. How do you feel about that? Oh, I have never thought about that. Like past lives haunting ourselves, or like, well, or well, like, like just like our shadow self haunting ourselves like poltergeist or stuff like that are kind of like us haunting ourselves and like maybe even the concept of like ghosts that we see at certain areas are created by collective consciousness of people mm. believing in it so it's there like for example one of the things they talk about is like there's a crybaby bridge in lots of different places in the united states they all have the same story where like some woman threw her baby off the bridge and now it's haunted okay but there's there'll actually be like some manifestations of paranormal occurrences there and so it kind of goes in like the concept of like a tulpa or something like that almost mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought it was i've never heard of that that's something i'm gonna have to ponder on and kind of just like reflect on a little bit more because in a way it's like the only people i don't know I think it I could know. be both as well. Like, I, yeah. I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive, but like the concept of us haunting ourselves is, is interesting to me. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. Yeah, that's interesting. Because this, this, like this one particular house, we were on our way to uh, Disney World and my dad was like, we have to go to this mansion. We have to go. Like it's renowned, it's famous. I've contacted them, we have to go. And my dad's a photographer too. So he would just be taking pictures of this place because it was a beautiful old mansion. Um, and in almost every single photo, there was like the silhouette mm. of, of a man, a silhouette of a woman, a silhouette of like a woman pregnant. And um, Wow. Yeah. So in a way I'm like, okay, like I believe that there are energies and spirits like that are around us that only certain things can capture and can think. But it's a really interesting theory about how we haunt ourselves. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think that it's probably a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what the world is all about, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, nothing really is exclusively one thing. No, never. <laughs> um, do you have any odd experiences you are willing to discuss? 
uh, aside from going to the mansion and seeing ghosts everywhere. <laughs> that's not odd enough. That's not odd enough for me. <laughs> that's, um, that's way too normal. In my I know, mind. right? Way too normal. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this and I was like, as of lately, um, there hasn't been too many like odd experiences or encounters or anything like that. Um, aside from like a lot of really interesting synchronicities mm. that happen, like really, really interesting and kind of like, oh, didn't think that would happen. Um, like, I mean, like this one's just a fun one, but it was like, it was kind of odd in the way you're like, oh, okay. Um, where another member of the positive head uh, group, uh, his name is Michael, and he was doing free tarot readings mm -hmm. um, online as well. And um, apparently this was his first time doing online face-to-face, -face. like he's done everything face-to-face, -face, but this is the first time he's ever done online. And so I'm chatting with him and he's like, oh, well, where are you from? Uh, and I'm like, oh, Toronto. And he's like, no way, no way. He's like, my roommate's from Toronto. I'm like, that's amazing. And uh, he's like, oh, that's where she is right now too. I'm like, cool, cool. Um, and then I'm like, well, where are you? And he's like, I'm in Montevideo, Uruguay. I'm like, no way, that's amazing. And I was like, I actually used to live, I grew up on a street just off of Montevideo <laughs> Road. And he was just kind of like, and for him, like it was a huge synchronistic thing for him because it was his first one. It was just kind of like the way of being on the path for him. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a lot of synchronicities that I find that happen in my life. Like a lot of repetitive numbers that come up a lot. Like I get, I get either triple ones or quadruple ones. So one, 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 one a lot. Um, I get two, two, twos a lot and five, five, fives a lot, which mm -hmm. I'll have different meanings according to it. Mm -hmm. um, but those, I would say like as from being a child and being, being exposed to my dad was definitely probably the oddest experiences that I've, <laughs> that I've experienced. Cause my dad, have you ever heard of that coast to coast? Oh yeah. I used to listen to it. A yeah. Lot. Yeah. yeah. So my dad listens to that all the time. Um, so much so that when I showed him, it's on a podcast he was like, no way. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you can listen to it all the time now, dad. You don't have to just wait till 11 o'clock at night. Um, but he would always, you know, like, we would always like talk and he'd be like, who knows, that could be a spaceship up there. That could be an alien there and this and the other. And so he's just kind of opened me up to the possibilities of certain things or, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, nothing too odd in that, in that regard, but definitely as a kid, it was odd. <laughs> Certainly. This is one of my concepts on like oddness of things too. Um, are you familiar with like the analogy of the, the frog in the pot? No. You turn the water up slowly so it doesn't really know that it's like in this pot of boiling water. But like I think that it applies to like odd occurrences in life somewhat where like originally like initially things are somewhat startling and like very stand out very much so somewhat. Mm. The more that it happens, the more you get acclimated to it like yeah synchronicities there was a time where like every time i had one it's like oh wow wow and now it's just like uh it's it's just this like yeah it's not that it's mundane but it's just become like so commonplace that it's just like it, it is what it is and i think that's what's happening to my life it's just kind of like yeah it's like for me i think that synchronicities are just like or like the the sequential numbers it's just like a little wink you know, it's just a little wink from my higher self saying, you're, you're here, you're good, 
This is, mm-hmm. this is where you need to be. Oh, I get deja vus a lot. Mm. A lot of, t- I get it a, a lot of times. And um, I know there's so many different theories about what it actually is. Um, I like to believe that deja vus are, um, are either, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I change my mind. Like sometimes I believe that it's literally like my higher self had projected in the future what was like it has already gone into the future and it's now experiencing it now um sometimes i do think that it's just like a moment or like a dream that i had uh, where i was maybe predicting i don't know um but i can always estimate around how long ago i had this experience Mm. so if i have it and i sit with it and i watch it play out the way that it's meant to play out Sometimes I can be like, this happened or like this occurrence happened like five years ago or this happened last month or like I can give it, I can estimate around like how long ago it was that I've had this occurrence before. And it's the exact same, the exact same, exact same tone of voice, the exact same mood. Everyone's wearing the exact same thing. Everything's in the same place, like mm-hmm. cooking the same meal, like whatever it is, like I'm in the exact same place. And, and that I also find is another little wink to, you know, for my higher self saying like, you're good. This is where you need to be. You're on the right path. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I've had deja vu a couple of times and I always find all the fast, the different theories fascinating. One of the ones I like, is it like, it's parallel universes like bumping or something like that, or like these mm. two parallel universes being close together or whatever. Yeah. I that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that one. I kind of think too, that it's really all, I don't think it's always one thing either. It's <laughs> like, like most things. Like I think maybe that's why it shifts for you. Maybe because maybe different ones are different reasons why yeah. you remember it. Hard to say. Totally. Um, this one's kind of a fun one. What mm. superpowers do you possess or what superpowers would you want? Oh, this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the superpowers that I believe I possess is like what I t- said about like teaching yoga, mm-hmm. um, which is being able to hold space for people. Um, one of the things that I've realized that I want to do and what I'm good at is helping to create transformational change, lasting transformational change within individuals, um, which is why I'm going back to school for psychotherapy and counseling, because it's a, it's something that I want to do and something that I'm good at doing. Um, so like, I feel like that's a superpower in its own because not too many people can actually sit with someone and be with them and um and and hold the space for them to feel what they need to feel and to go through what they need to go through right mm-hmm. um but the superpower that i want now this is a little weird but it's yeah it's interesting um since doing since going on my journey um through personal development about five years ago i um all of a sudden I like, cause I always knew that everyone had different perspectives. Everyone, you know, had a different view on certain things, but it never really occurred to me on how differently we all think mm. like the way that we see the world, even though let's say we have the same perspective on certain things, you still think differently than how I think, like how you mm-hmm. get from A to B is very different from how I get to A to B, which is very different from how everyone else gets from A to B. And even if it does look the same, it is slightly different still. 
just like the fingerprints and the snowflakes, like not one person is alike in this way. And, um, and I've always been really fascinated with how everybody else thinks. And so I've always said to people, like, if you can give me any gift in the world, if you could just one gift, this is all I'll ever ask for. I don't, I'm not going to ask for any other gifts, any other time. Like I'm going to be perfectly happy with this one thing. <laughs> if I can have this superpower, it would be like the highlight of my life, which would be to, um, you're familiar with John Malkovich? Um, I'm familiar with not, not really. Okay. So have you seen, have you seen the movie being, being John Malkovich? No, I have not. I'm familiar with the concept of it, okay. I believe. So what I would want to do is I would want to actually like sit in someone's brain. I'm like sitting like this, like just anxiously waiting and like <laughs> seeing how you think, seeing how you um, operate, how you get from A to B. Like, oh, that's the reason why you do this, this, and this. Oh, oh, that's how you view love. And that's how you view this person, even though this is what you say. Oh, this is what it's like from your perspective here. Like, it's kind of creepy that I would want to sit in someone's brain, um, you know, just to understand how they think and how they go about it. But I would mm. love that. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. I've that's never heard funny. anybody say that. Um, yeah. It brings up some questions for me, though. Do you think that a human mind would be able to handle that. Like say that you had the ability, do you think you could actually handle that ability? Yeah, that's something, um, I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I mean, I'm super fascinated by it. Um, so I feel like in a way, because of this fascination with it and this kind of like, I'm prepared already to do it, that it might be more, I might be able to be more inclined to be ready to and prepared to do it. But um, I don't necessarily know if I can do it for everybody like that, I think would be way too much, yeah. but it would be a really, really awesome. Um, I don't know. I just think it would be a really awesome superpower to have. Would be, no, it's, it's yeah. a really, I think it would be too. I think it'd kind of be like doing drugs in some ways, like doing like <laughs> a psychedelic almost. <laughs> because it would change it totally would. yeah it totally would i never thought of it in that way it's like the totally you know sober way of doing drugs <laughs> right <You're laughs> with somebody else's mind yeah. i think like reading a book would be the closest thing but even that it still has like ego and intention to portray things a certain way yeah because yeah i find the same thing like um, I'm really big into storytelling. So I love uh, when people come together to tell stories. I love the podcasts out there that tell a story about someone. Have you, have you uh, heard S-Town yet? Mm -mm. Okay. Um, it just recounts the story of this really unique kind of off the wall man from Alabama who's, who's kind of like, I wish he found the positive head group because I think that would have saved him in some ways. Um, just because he is like so out there and he talks about sacred geometry and he talks about this and, you know, in a really small town in Alabama where it's not really, <laughs> people don't talk about that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. right? um, amongst other things. But I've, I love storytelling. I love hearing people's sides of it. And that's how you can see the perspective of it. But again, it kind of comes into the ego of it all too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to like, like, especially for me at times to tell my story and not have ego associated with it or like get out of my own way of telling my story <laughs> right it's like finding a way that like 
it's not an autobiography, it's a biography, but you're telling the biography. So it's not even, you know, so it's, yeah. So you're not kind of putting your own. And then I did this and this and this rather than like Ross, you know, was able to overcome these things by doing this. And yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's all filtered through my perspective. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what circumstances do you feel shaped your life? Oh yeah. Um, I recently just did, um, an article. My friend has a blog series called um, The Healing Journey. And I um, was just recently published as one of her um, interviewees. And even though The Healing Journey was surrounded by, um, you know, like, and her other thing too is womb wellness. So like, you know, coming into your womanhood and talking to the womb space. Um, I still feel like the same journey that set me off for my healing journey is still the same journey that, um, that was like the defining moment of one of my, like one of the defining moments of my life. Um, but what first started it was at 18, um, my boyfriend at the time, his father committed suicide and, um, I was, I wasn't necessarily the one left to hold the family together. But in a way I was because I was the girlfriend and we had family. So I was kind of one of the people holding everybody up. Um, But I was doing a lot of writing at that time. And I wrote a lot of poetry when I was a teenager. And one of it was um, talking about a butterfly and talking about the transformation that happens and what we do with that transformation. Um, You know, his father was an alcoholic and he quit cold turkey um, and then committed suicide 23 days later. Um, You know, so he didn't even give this transformation a try. He didn't even give this transformation a go, right? He just was like, done, can't do this anymore. Um, And so since then, transformation and growth has been a huge part of my life. Um, And then when I was 25, I met um, a soulmate who completely changed my entire world. And um, through that encounter with him, it was up, down. It was like the worst possible relationship I think I could ever have been (laughs) (laughs) But he came to me for a reason, right? Like that's what soulmates do. They come to you so you can learn a soul lesson and they're not meant to stick around. Soulmates aren't actually meant to stick around, in my opinion, at least. Um, They're meant to give you the soul lessons that you need to learn to move you into your next step. So once that relationship finished, I got sick, but through that, that sickness, I was able to heal myself. I found myself taking care of my body. I found myself taking care of, um, the stress because it was my immune system that was shot. And so I needed to heal my immune system, which also meant coping, finding ways to cope and deal and work with the stress um, that caused this illness. And 
through all of that, I found yoga again, and I found restorative yoga, which is what I teach now. And what I'm teaching now is slowing down and finding that peace within. Um, it also led me to, um, it gave me, I wouldn't even say the courage, because I don't feel like I have to gain courage to do something. I just do it. Um, so I innately have courage, I suppose. But what it did was it allowed me to be my own person again which was really, really nice, like this new person, uh, finding fun again in my life. And I traveled out to, um, I lived abroad in Australia for a year, uh, which was like probably one of the best years of my life still to date. Um, and I started a coaching course there where I started my personal development. And it's just like, ever since then, it's just been snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. So if it wasn't for... Um, if it wasn't for my, my boyfriend's father committing suicide, I wouldn't really have learned about what transformation can look like and how you take it on. And then if it wasn't for the soulmate, I wouldn't have, like, he literally catapulted me into where I am today, but the transformation, the growth, everything has actually come out of it. And it's been a story of my life is transformation and growth. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the experiences and it just kind of keeps going and going and going and going. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so those are the two moments I would say that really changed my life. Hearing you talk about the relationship thing, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I've only ever been in three committed relationships and in each one I kind of dated the, uh, I became the person that I dated last in the next relationship to where mm -hmm. like, but like looking back on it now, like when you were saying that, I realized the concept of like, I had to kind of be taken apart the way that I was so I could be built like built back together. Like it's like people that enjoy taking apart electronics just yeah. to know how the, just, to know, just to know how they're built or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like I had to be deconstructed through my choices and my attitudes and actions yeah to know how like to put a put a ross together <laughs> like <laughs> where it works <laughs> it's pretty much it yeah <laughs> it's like the it's like lego blocks like trying to create a a, a, a lego ross <laughs> yeah. but actually like the lego block things connects to something that i thought when i was um going through psychosis at one point i was at a family function and my niece and nephew were there and like i wasn't people have this such a negative opinion of psychosis or things like that and think it's about violence. Like I was just thinking nutty stuff then. <laughs> like one of the biggest concepts I had was I built this thing up and then my, my nephew's kid came over and like destroyed it. And I was like, that's really the two types of people in the world, the builders or the destroyers. And mm. like, I really think that that really is the classification. Cause even if somebody aren't, if somebody's not participating in any way in building something, they're still destroying stuff in, in my perspective by non-participation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a weird little tangent, but the Lego thing, <laughs> tri the trigger, I don't know how my mind works. See, I would love to go into your brain and figure that out, right? Just to see it, just to observe it. Bring a poncho. <laughs> <laughs> and some hip waders. <laughs> um, so the next question, what positive lessons did you learn from negative experiences? I feel like you answered that. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
because the other thing too, it's like, I actually don't think there's anything called a negative experience. Like I, I mean, at the time you might be like, oh, this is so bad. It's awful, but it's not negative. I mean, we put that spin of it being, everything is neutral. It's just how we perceive it. Right. But I learned from all of my lessons, whether they're negative or positive. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, just, I agree with that completely. Yeah. yeah. When, like on my, one of my first episodes, I talked about not labeling experiences and I've gotten away from that apparently, but like, I, I do find that to be absolutely true. Some of the, the worst experiences in my life turned out to be the best and some of the best turned out to be the worst. Like yeah. stuff that I really wanted blew up in my face and stuff that I didn't want became such an asset. Well, because that's the thing. We force everything, right? When we force things to happen, mm-hmm. it never works out the way that it's meant to work out because we're forcing the situation to happen, right? Like we're not actually allowing it to just naturally come into our lives the way that it needs to. And when we, and because we're not, because whether we're resistant to the things we don't want to happen or not, but once we kind of just allow like that little gate to open, just even like, just even 1%, it just like takes it all. It just goes, all right, we're just mm-hmm. going to go in here no matter what. But Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things in my life um, that I've realized too, like in regards to relationships, like um, the one woman that I was going to, her and I talked about dating last summer. I like really tried to to force the dating situation or whatever. And then I had all these expectations built up around what it would be like, what it should be like. If I do this, this should happen. Like all this, all this jargon in my mind. And it's like, well, there's, there's like, without a doubt, the reason it didn't work was because of all of that. And because even if she would have done all those things, then there still would have been something wrong because she didn't, she didn't do how I thought she should do this, right? So now she needs to do this and it just perpetuates itself. So then eventually I wouldn't even be dating the person that I liked. To be no, you were dating someone that you thought you should be dating. <laughs> yeah, it's like complete lunacy, really. Yeah, well, it was a blessing in disguise. Actually, it really was. Um, her and I are still friends now. We hang out like once a week or, or so. Um, but really that whole experience with her is what got me into recovery because Mm. having, um, I really hadn't drank heavily for like two years, but having that situation occur in a period where I wasn't drinking, um, and evaluating my behavior and and seeing how I treated her made me realize that I was acting like I was like a 13 year old little boy and, uh, made me realize all those abandonment issues and stuff like that, that I had in regards to women. And also, like the very last day that I, I uh, used, like drank and smoked weed, I went to my brother's house. I drank a beer with his buddies at like nine in the morning. Uh, I smoked some weed with them. And then I had given that uh, my friend all, all my weed the day before for her birthday. Um, so I went home. I didn't have anything. And I was just sitting there with this horrible fucking feeling inside. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. It's never going to work. I'm always going to be lonely. And then I drank a double deuce of Heineken that night. And I was like, fuck, this, this is what causes all of this to happen is me running from feeling this. And I could tell that if I, if I drank any more, if I did any, any more pot, like, cause if I didn't have pot, I'd go to booze. Mm. But if I did anything else, it was going to create this big chain of events that would essentially either send me back to the psych ward, um, put me in jail or, or like something like that. Like, yeah. So 
I thank her so much. I, I tell her she saved my life. Like, I don't think she necessarily understands like how grateful I am that she didn't give me what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Eternally grateful for that one, for that one no. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote a song about her and one of the lyrics is your rejection was a blessing <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> It's, it's so funny how that works out. Mm. All the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, what philosophy, spirituality, or religion, religions do you find most aligned with your understanding? Please explain them as they apply to you. Um, yeah. Um, I've never been one to subscribe to a particular religion or philosophy that is strictly what something I believe in and it sticks with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, like even with, with yoga, it's like, yeah, there's this whole culture, this whole philosophy, not even a religion, but there's this whole philosophy around yoga. But I don't, but I don't, it doesn't resonate with me every single part, only certain parts do. Um, and that's what I've done throughout the years. I've just kind of taken what has resonated with me within um, the certain religions or dogmas even, mm -hmm. and just allowed myself to sit with that and make it my own. Um, the closest thing right now where I am is probably um, uh, Taoism. Mm. Um, just because I'm working with, um, I do a yoga program, um, every Monday night and we work with the elements, um, mm -hmm. you know, within ch uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And my teacher is an acupuncturist. And so she's a Taoist just by proxy of her going into it. Um, so I would say just because of where I am, I would say probably Taoism is probably the closest to where I am. But on the other side, um, you've heard of alchemical healing. Um, I've, I've heard of it. I, okay. I'm not, I haven't ever studied it, but I definitely think yeah. that it's been part of my journey. Yes. Cause hermeticism is part of alchemical healing and even the tarot and Kabbalah is part of, part of the alchemical healing process as well. And she does alchemical healing from the perspective of Taoism. Mm. Um, and I've been learning alchemical healing from the process, from the perspective of, um, uh, Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian side. So using Toth and the elements and, um, you know, kind of just invoking um, the ancient Egyptian ways. Um, there's a book called Alchemical Healing by Nikki Scully, and that's the one I've been learning off of mostly. Um, and it's just really fascinating because alchemy talks to and talks about just being able to transform and transmute whatever it is that we have, whether it's lead or metal or a negative feeling or this body part or something, and allows us to, through the work, through the healing, through us really delving deep and getting into it, we can transform everything into gold mm -hmm. within ourselves. Like we can start to transform ourselves into this gold, into this place of enlightenment, into this place of feeling lighter and better through the healing. Um, you know, it also talks about how everything in life is a cycle. So it starts with this one called calcination where literally it's like when your world falls apart around you. Mm. 
you know, it's very similar to, you know, like the Phoenix. It's like, the, it's like ashes, like literally everything is at ashes and you have no idea where you're going to go next. And the cycle that goes around it is talks about kind of like that Phoenix rising from the ashes. Mm -hmm. You know, it talks about the process that you go through in order for you to come out and go like, oh, oh, like my world is built up again and I'm I was in, not in, it's kind of like, you know, you have to go through the really, you have to go through the shitty things in life in order to come out better, stronger, wiser, um, lighter, you know, like you have mm -hmm. to, you have to go through those moments and everyone goes through it. And um, so I just find that everything that it talks about is very appropriate to uh, where I am in my journey as well is, is there. And um, I think it's always been part of my journey. I just didn't, know it until like two months ago <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's awesome um yeah i definitely relate a lot to taoism i actually read a uh, a daily meditation book that's a, a taoist meditation it's called 365 dao mm. um i really recommend it if you haven't heard of it um you know what someone sent me um a link to it mm. um for the daily dao and it's like you just have to refresh it, <laughs> it oh, that's awesome yeah. So I just have to like keep it up there and I just refresh it and I pull it up. And, um, for some reason, I think either I closed everything out or my computer crashed. So I forgot to bring it back up again, but yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I, I, I get so much, um, joy out of that. And the, and like the alchemy thing, that's definitely been something that I I've experienced in my own journey. I've done a couple episodes on alchemy as well. Um, I actually, when I first started this podcast, I wrote a quote too, and it's like, I understand the concept of turning things to gold without the follies of King Midas or something like that. I don't, I'm paraphrasing my own quote, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, it definitely is like, I think that alchemy really is a metaphor and, and studying other elements of alchemy. I like the word you use better calcination. Mm. Um, one of the other words I've heard is putrefication. Yeah. Calcination sounds so much better. <laughs> Doesn't quite sound as vulgar. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't picture this like puddle of liquid moldy mush or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> calcination sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that that's, I, those things are definitely aligned with me. And mm. the thing I like about Taoism, it's like everything is the, the Tao. Like you can't not be with the Tao. You can be out of tune with it, but yeah. everything is the Tao, even things Absolutely. that aren't the Tao. Are, it's so yeah, I know. And that's what I, that's what I love about it is just like, there's certain parts, like similar to like the alchemical healing process. Like there's just some parts of it may resonate with you more than others, but it's always part of your life. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of Taoism is uh, Wu Wei. Are you familiar with Wu Wei? Uh, off the top of my head, no. Which is, um, oh my gosh. Um, doing by not doing oh uh, yeah that's one of the things that's sometimes the most difficult for me to learn is that non-action is an action <laughs> it's so and just yeah yeah and it's kind of wild because like when you can actually when you like it happened to me i came back from belize and it just kind of happened like i wasn't intentionally trying to do by not do and every time i did that it turned into this big doing um but when I came back from Belize it literally was like just happening <laughs> like mm -hmm. I was kind of like whoa what is going on here like 
I'm not doing anything. And by not doing anything, everything is happening for me. Mm -hmm. It was so cool and so weird, but you kind of have to not force it. (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting. One of the things in the Daily Dow that that made me think of is it talks about um, a seed growing or whatever. And it's like, nothing's really going on. There is no real action that you can see on the surface, but internally there's all this stuff going on and it's kind of preparing itself to do the physical action that's about to to be required exactly exactly yeah one other thing about how you talk about like taking pieces of things that you like and and kind of leaving what what doesn't work that's something that i do as well and it's like a spiritual and philosophical buffet style and then like making mashed potato art out of stuff by making it your own or whatever. That's such a cool, that's such a cool example. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's like you're a little kid just trying to make your own thing at the, at the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all the adults are talking about whatever. You're just doing your own thing here. <laughs> I had the prime rib and it was overcooked. This prime rib isn't as good as the other. <laughs> yes. My prime rib's the best. <laughs> or whatever it's like okay we all have we all think we have the answer we don't actually (laughs) yeah knowing you don't know is like one of the most liberating things ever I feel like (laughs) Mm. it's um it's scary and it makes you feel like an idiot sometimes because you think you knew um but then you're kind of like oh I don't know which means that there's so much more I can learn and I can be in that place of the student but it's always like that cycle of just like what do you mean I don't know what I don't know oh my god I'm an idiot like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then you're like oh but this is actually really great <laughs> yeah it is it's like that duality of things it seems like the more I learn the less I know because everything fractals off into like a million different directions oh, from there yeah yeah it's it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ross, can we hold on for just one second? Yeah, My battery's about to die. So I just want not, to not cut out there in just the moment. Said that I have like three minutes left and I was like, yikes. Yeah, that's one of the downsides of me being a chatty Cathy. Is sometimes <laughs> I, get like so, here. <laughs> I get so wrapped up and like, I get so excited to talk to people that like I have all these thoughts and it's like such a cool process to I don't get this kind of conversation in my day-to-day life really like yeah so I like to take advantage of it I guess yeah. or like get the most <laughs> out of it when I can I'm sorry oh, for I'm sure hostage by like you need to like I'm like I'm not trying to like force you into it but it's like if you move to a larger city holy like I don't know what it's like because the closest city to you would be Cincinnati uh, no, Cleveland or Pittsburgh are both okay. about the same distance. Okay. So I'm not too sure what their, um, what their conscious, you know, exploratory people are like, but here in Toronto, it is ridiculous how large the community is. Yeah, ridiculous. it's kind of funny. Like where I used to live, I used to live in Arcata, California, which is Humboldt County. So there okay. was like a lot of like really spiritually minded people there, but it was also mm-hmm. when I was like the most spiritually bankrupt I've ever yeah. <laughs> So now that like I'm, I'm where I'm at, I'm in like probably the most spiritual bankrupt place that I've ever lived. I, I yeah. lived in Vegas too. So Vegas was obviously pretty spiritually yeah. bankrupt. Yeah, Vegas was But uh, I kind of view it like this. I'm where I'm supposed to be now because there isn't many people like me here. And if you mm. view like, um, like mushroom spores or like any kind of seed, you don't want to plant them all in one area. 
No. But I'm going to move out west again, uh, outside of Portland eventually. Um, nice. So I think that'll be a good place for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's the city that um, in Portland, closer to the um, California border? Oh, um, I don't know. Eugene? It's, Eugene, that's it. Yeah, that's where the um, the woman who does the alchemical healing lives is in Eugene. Yeah. And she was saying how like the land there is just really special. Like the land is just incredible there. So I've driven through Eugene before when I was coming down. Um, I spent a summer up in northern Washington. And when I was coming down from northern Washington to live on the beach on the beach in northern California, we crossed <laughs> through Eugene. Um it was too flat for me okay <laughs> there's like mountains around it but I just remember like seeing the college and it looked like a a public school like a public elementary school I don't oh. know <laughs> my, my perspective Once back then a little bit. <laughs> hate to be judgmental but I'm incredibly judgmental and I'm judging everybody off of how their college looks I'll judge yeah, yeah. The whole time. <laughs> I'm not perfect I have a lot of growth to do <laughs> Your college looked really flat. <laughs> I was going to use another F word for it, but flat is the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> what do you perceive as your life's purpose? Hmm. When I was younger, uh, probably since I was probably four years old and I started going to school, um, and up until I was 17 or 18, um, I wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was it. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a teacher. Um, and then I was, when I was 17 or 18, and I had a moment where I was like, do I really want to be a teacher to either little kids who probably don't know how to listen to prebubescent? <laughs> or to kids who are going through puberty. I'm like, do I really want to be dealing with that age group? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I kind of kibosh that idea, but every single career perspective that I've ever tried or even thought about or even tried to pursue has always been in service of others. Mm -hmm. Always. Um, I think the only job I ever had that wasn't to be in service of others, actually two jobs, is I was a fundraising assistant um, for a organization here in Toronto. Um, and even though it's to be of service to others, I wasn't in a position to do that. Like I was just doing data admin work, which was like actually killing my soul. Mm. Um, and then the other job, which I went into thinking I was gonna be in service to others, which was HR management, so human resources. I went into it because I was like, I love the admin side of this, but I also love working with people. So this is gonna combine the two perfectly. Um, and then realizing when I got into the HR world and into the corporate world that um, HR is not actually for the people, it's just to help implement and keep everything at peace for the company. Mm. Like it's not actually meant to bring people like, you know, like it's not meant to actually like help the employees and the people of the company. It's there to just 
maintain the company standards and so the policies and stuff like that right and dealing with any like conflicts or whatever and I was like this is not my jam um, but everything that I've done up until the, like even up until right now even teaching yoga is to be of service to other people to teach and I find that that's really kind of interesting that no matter what I'm doing is I'm being of service to others and I'm teaching Mm-hmm. So I think that's my two purpose is whatever it is I'm meant to be teaching, I'm going to teach and be of service to others. Mm. I think that's, re- that's really awesome. I, I just yeah. want to make a, a light note and then I'll move on to the next question. Yeah. I always thought it interesting that the, the term human resource, if you break down, it's like making a resource out of the humans. <laughs> like, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's really nefarious when you look at it like in that like. <laughs> Um, what do you need to do to feel that you are working towards that goal of being a teacher? It sounds like you're already doing it, but what do you need to do to progress it? (laughs) Well, it's funny because like we kind of touched on, on this whole idea. So I don't know what it is, whether it's, um, because I always believe, like I used to be such an A-type personality. If I set a goal, I was out to go get it. Mm -hmm. And then being with that soulmate, he actually turned me on my head and I did a 180 and all of a sudden became like this like really chill, like, oh, plans can be made whenever they're made kind of person. And now I'm kind of like finding between the two. Um, but for me, I can't set a goal and make it super specific because mm-hmm. then I fall off the course because mm-hmm. then it feels too rigid. It feels too much like this is where my head has to be at. And I and that's just not how I work with my life, right? Um, flexibility, that yoga of, of goal, goal yoga. Goal yoga. <laughs> I think we came up with a new Americanized term for it. <laughs> um, but for me, it's, it's setting the intention of what it is that I want. And in a way, it's the manifestation of it. Like just for me, it's setting the intention. This is what I want or not even this is what I want, because sometimes what I want is not what I need. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes I always just like even leave it to a broader thing of what is it that I need? And Mm -hmm. can you bring that to me? And it's like, okay, this is what I need. And this is where I'm going to go. But in terms of like actually going after something that feels good in my heart of hearts, um, it's setting an intention. Yeah. Going back to it all, it's setting an intention. Um, to achieve that because I don't know how it's going to work. Like everything, like you can't ask the how you just ask for what you want or what you, what you're asking of in your heart of hearts and everything will figure itself out to get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just set the intention and I kind of keep it at the top of my mind. This is what I want. This is where I'm going. Um, you know, like when I was applying for psychotherapy and counseling, it was something I had been wanting to do for the past year and a half. Um, and I kind of, I kind of pushed it to the side because I was like, oh, I don't have money right now for it. It's an extra four grand each year that's out of pocket and I don't have that kind of money. So like, I'm like, I'll just push it off, push it off. And then my therapist was like, well, you had this goal. You know, like, why, why, like, what's the, what was your intention around it? Like, why did it fall to the wayside? And when she brought that up, I was like, oh, 
this was my intention for the past year and a half because this is, um, it just, it just felt right for me. And all of a sudden I just got bogged down with the, with the little small things that don't really matter because when something, um, the alchemist in Paulo Coelho's book, the alchemist, it says, uh, the universe will conspire for you to, to go where you need to go. So long as, you know, like you have that intention to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always believed that. And so I don't think of the small things. I can't think of the small things or else I kind of get in my own way and I stop working with that goal. So I'm mm-hmm. yeah. um, talking about manifestation. This is something that like has been really in, in my head a lot lately. Manifestation simply isn't like, I let, me, let me rephrase this. Do you find that manifestation isn't just intention, but also action? Oh, it's who you are. Mm. Like you manifest everything and you manifest everything, whether you know it or not, and whether you like it or not, it's who you, I find that manifestation is who you are. You know, you attract the people into your life based on who you are. You attract the experiences in your life based on who you are. And if you like it, amazing, keep going with it. If you don't like it, that's how, you know, like for me, that's my barometer of like, okay, where am I going with this? Like, where's my energy being sent? Where am I feeling here? Um, so I think it's mostly who you are, but when you have an intention and it's part of who you are, it comes a lot easier than if it's an intention based solely off of materialism or based solely off of trying to impress and being fake or mm-hmm. whatever you think you really need it, but you really don't. But even still, sometimes I feel like you actually, you manifest everything that you want and manifest everything that you are. So so, so action is a part of it. And if it, if it is part of you, your action plays yeah. a role in it. Cause I think that yeah. sometimes it seems like people get caught up in the fact that manifestation is just a lot of like wishing and intention with not taking any action. Oh no, no, you have to take action. So you have you to have do the to. footwork. Mm-hmm. You have to. Oh, absolutely. Like you can't just stay there and like, I want a Lamborghini. Like, okay, cool. And not you just can't sit back and wait for the Lamborghini to come it's like you have to go on living your life you have to go on doing what you need to do and maybe the Lamborghini is going to come in the form of a rental car that you need to that your friend is like oh my god I just got a Lamborghini as a rental car you want to come for a drive and you can drive it too it's like amazing Um, or if it's continually to work at your job and working 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 and saving the money to all of a sudden get your Lamborghini, right? I mean, like that's a really extreme example and super materialistic, (laughs) but it's, you have to continue living your life and being who you are in order to attract that in Mm. the way that it's meant to come into your life. Do you also think that a a part of it would, would be saying yes to things that you're maybe fearful of or uncomfortable, like stepping out of your comfort zone um, for growth? Because for me, in my experience, a lot of the best manifestations came from facing things that terrified the shit out of me in lots of ways. Not yeah. putting yourself in danger, but yeah. like doing things that like you might have come up with a million excuses of why not to do, like changing your own story, I guess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a friend who, you know, unfortunately has been telling the story of his life, which is you know, of misery and of depression and of hating himself for so long. Um, He's just been telling himself that story since he was a little kid. And, but he wants things to change. 
And it's like, well, like I stepped out of my comfort zone and, you know, I, even though I've always been optimistic and happy and, you know, kind of seeing the brighter things in life, um, I still stepped out of my own comfort zone to, to have even like that kind of going, oh, like that leveling up kind of feeling, right? And, you know, it's been five years since I've been changing and working and facing my fears, but he hasn't, he hasn't done any of that really. And um, it's like, you, you have to step outside your comfort zone. You have to try new things. You have to try on all these different hats mm-hmm. <laughs> in order for you to see, in order for you to be like, oh, okay. Oh, this is what I look like with this hat on this is kind of interesting. Let's play with this for a little while and see where that goes. And by opening yourself up to that hat, you're now opening up yourself to all these other hats that, um, that could lead you to what you really want to manifest in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's kind of like if you're cooking and you've eaten spaghetti every day for your whole life and you're cooking and you're making spaghetti and wondering why you're eating spaghetti again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, well, I want to try fettuccine. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> but there's, but yeah, but you're still making spaghetti. I want fettuccine, yeah. but I'll keep making sp- spaghetti. That's what yeah. I know. That's what I know. I don't yeah. know how to make fettuccine. And it's like, <laughs> and it's just like, and maybe it's literally just like turning your perspective, like that five degrees to see the fettuccine right beside the spaghetti that you just need to just open yourself up to just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, like I, this applies to me definitely, but I think a lot of people participate in their own misery more so than they participate in their own happiness. Like, oh, it's so much easier to stay in misery. Yeah, it's comfortable. It, yeah, that's one of the things that I found out in recovery. There was a point where things were going really well, and I, I like being conscious and being free of substances and seeing where my mind went. I started to find all this shit to be upset about, really. Because mm. <laughs> I'm comfortable being upset. I'm I'm either comfortable having everything going really, really well and amazing where I'm all excited, or I'm comfortable being completely miserable and having to change things. I'm not comfortable yeah. in that state of non-action or just being. Like that yeah. terrifies the shit out of me. Like how, how yeah. do you do that? Like I know. I know. <laughs> um there's a book called Mastery, and it's by um I forget his last name, but I believe his first name is George. Oh, I wish I knew the last name, <laughs> but mastery. It's a really easy read. And he just talks about being the master of your field of whatever. And it's very similar to this, right? It's like being the master of your emotions and your being. Mm. And it's so much easier to appreciate the really, really highs. And in fact, when we go to the low, low lows, we don't mind those either. Like we kind of enjoy these feelings because at least we're going through these ups and downs and feeling these things. But the plateau, like that's, that's the hardest part to be with, which is like what you're saying, like kind of just sitting and being like the plateau is like, what, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? Like I, I, sitting in misery is not what I want to do and being ecstatic and happy is not what I want to do. What do you mean? This is, this is just life being life. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I actually brought that up at one of my meetings um, recently. It, what this one guy basically said made me realize that 90% of the time, that's actually exactly where I am. Like, <laughs> but observing it, like, it being like, well, well, crap, I'm not really happy. I'm not really sad. That changed, changed everything. It's kind of like um, mm. the observer effect in quantum physics or whatever. Yeah. By looking at it, it changes what it is. And it's like, yeah. all I have to do is not focus on the fact that I'm just being and just be. 
It right. seems like a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you had to describe your personal philosophy or condense your life and ex- life experiences into a few words, what would it be? Um, growth and adventure, Mm. uh, and gratitude, uh, growth, adventure, gratitude, um, courage, I would Mm. say too, just because like, it's just something innate in me that everyone's like, oh, it's so courageous of you to do this. And I'm like, I just did it. Like, I don't understand (laughs) what's so courageous about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And trusting, trusting the process, trusting yourself, trusting um, that everything's going to work out. Yeah. That's awesome. I I like all those. Those are all very Mm -hmm. powerful words. Yeah. We got two more questions and then I'll I'll let you get get back to your day. (laughs) Um, Who inspires you? Yeah. So this question always comes up for me, like just even in my own personal, like just reflections is what inspires me, who inspires me. Um, And there's so many people out there who put like celebrities or like, you know, like even B-list or C-list celebrities up on the pedestal of who inspires them. And um, like, I have one person, her name is uh, Rachel Brayton, also known as Yoga Girl. She's like the top influencer in the health and well-being industry on Instagram. Um, and uh, she's quite inspiring in her experiences and where she's gone to and where she is today. And she's very vulnerable and very open on social media. And she's got her podcast now um, from the heart. And it's also very vulnerable and very open. And it's very inspirational just to know that there's someone who I could probably be friends with, like, even though she's got like over a million followers on Instagram and she had over 500 downloads, um, for her, by her second podcast, um, but yeah, like 500, 500,000 million. I don't know. She got to like, yeah, that's what I'm like. It's, it's insane. Um, but she's someone who you can just like sit and have a coffee with and like chat with and like, she feels really real. Um, but the more, most of the people who inspire me are the people in my everyday life, you know, people who I surround myself with and who are, um, you know, even if it's just like a hello or this or that, um, they are people who inspire me. Like the, the group of women that I, that I, um, that I hang out with mostly who are my networking group. Um, it's this, uh, this co-working are you familiar with co-working no okay so co-working is a space where people who are entrepreneurs or um, freelancers or who work from home um, they can come together in this one space and just co-work together like they it's an open space and you just kind of you can come and you can do your work but you're not isolated from other people so you can make these connections you can have conversations um and uh so the place that i'm at is called shiko system and the women and the women there at shiko system are so incredible so incredible so inspiring and um a lot of us there are about um wellness and personal um personal development and we're about spirituality too so it's like this these are this is my people like these are this is who i want to be spending my time with and they're all just so incredible and so inspiring. And, 
And in fact, I also have a client of mine who um, is just so um, wonderful in her being. And we, um, we do yoga together, but she's, she's 75 years old and she is a firecracker. Like, you know, <laughs> like you wouldn't like just the way that her mind works and how fun and how just adventurous she is in, in, in her life and how she speaks and how she writes is almost as if like, she's no, not a day over 45, right? Like she's just so young in her personality, but we sit and we talk for an hour before we do before we do yoga. And it's just like, the things that we talk about is just really incredible, really incredible. And she inspires me because it's like, she's 75 and it's like, you know, like who's, and she, she works on her personal development all the time and she's always challenging the way that she thinks and the way she does things. And yeah. So I would say the people in my life and my everyday are the ones who inspire me. No, that's awesome. That made me think of like, how to package like that in like a really tangible form for me. And it, it's when you're, when you find inspiration in the people that are in your day-to-day life, you never lack any inspiration whatsoever. Like it's an abundance of inspiration when you can find it so close to your life. And I think if more people yeah. did that, they would, they could go so much further than grasping for these intangible forms of inspiration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm finding that within my group um, and the people that I follow on Instagram, like they're really big on the Insta stories. Um, And so like, I love watching their Insta stories because it's like them talking to the camera, but also exposing something that they're going through and what they want to offer to other people and Mm. just, you know, suggest or offer advice or just even like, got my yoga on today, you know, and it's just kind of like, oh, right. Yeah. I haven't moved my body yet today. Let's go. It, let's go get it. Cause even as a yoga teacher, I sometimes forget, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so like just small things like that, where it's just like those small little bits of inspiration every once in a while are just beautiful. No, that's awesome. And this would be the last question. Um, what books would you recommend to others or what books impacted you the most? Yeah. So going back to Paolo Coelho, Mm -hmm. his books are, um, I think what were, were propelling me forward on my spiritual journey when I was younger. Um, I read The Alchemist, I fell in love and I just started collecting all of his other books. And I think I have 12 (laughs) of his books and yeah, and I don't have much on my bookshelf because I don't try to keep too much um because if i had my way i would have had like three bookshelves worth of books already so i try to keep as little as possible when it comes to books um but i have 12 of his books and um my absolute favorite one is the witch of portobello by him um uh and that's the one i have the quote written on the back of my neck and um he's just his books are just so profound and he doesn't talk about um, he doesn't just talk about like the relationships or the day-to-day or this. Like, he actually talks about really deep things. He talks about God. He talks about energy. He talks about the connection. He talks about love. He talks about the development and like what stirs us inside to change and to transform. Um, and talk to, and if you ask anyone who's read any of his books, um, you can read the same book a year or two years later and you get 
a completely different message. I love books like that. Yeah, which is what a lot of his books. So I've read The Witch of Portobello probably five or six times now. Um, The Alchemist, I've read it four times. The Zaheer, I've read it twice. Um, 11 Minutes, I've read twice. Aleph, I've read three. You know, like there's just like, because I can just reread it or even just like intuitively just flip to a page and be like, okay, what am I going to get from this? And then just read as long as I feel like I've got the message that I need. Um, But his books are, are absolutely sensational. Like, yeah. I'll have to check out his stuff sometime. You, you, you yeah. did a good sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just beautiful. And my friend who's, uh, who is Portuguese, um, she, uh, she always teases, or she used to always tease me, I should say, about how um, she's like, his stuff, is, she's like, you think his, his words are quite beautiful written in English. She's like, imagine what it would be like read in Portuguese. I'm like, <laughs> like maybe I need to learn Portuguese now just to read his because it's been translated right so mm-hmm. yeah no that's awesome I'll have to check out his stuff um yeah. so I've asked previous guests to end the show in their own fashion you don't have to but you're allowed the last word <sighs> no pressure I know right <laughs> um the only thing that's coming up that I just want to say to everyone is be kind to yourself. Um, Be kind to others, be compassionate and love. Um, You know what? I'm going to come out saying a prayer that I always say at the end of my yoga class. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. (sighs) May we never take this moment for granted. May we find truth and beauty in all that we seek. May we love from the deepest parts of our heart. May we find openness and acceptance within ourselves, within others, and within the world. May we know the strength of our soul. May our thoughts, our words, and our heart be in harmony with one another. Namaste. Don't believe. Don't follow. Do not consume. Do not watch. Largely what I'm talking about here is reclaiming experience. This is what's been taken from us. It's a self-advancing, self-expanding, self-defining process. And it takes no prisoners. The real world isn't a spiritual world, it isn't a material world, it isn't an empty world, it isn't a solid world, it's simply...